Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome back to another episode of the Relatable Voice podcast. The RV is headed to Santa Fe, New Mexico to speak with Carly Montes de Oca. Carly is a former film editor who is now an author, a TEDx speaker, and animal human health expert. Her new book, Junkyard Girl, a memoir of ancestry, family secrets, and second chances, and it's out now. So, Carly, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, and this RV feels very comfortable. Oh, thank you. And don't worry, I drive very safely. <laughs> good to know, good to know. So, Carly, you are a passionate animal advocate. Do you have any pets yourself? Absolutely. I have a wonderful rescue dog named Grace. And I got Grace right before COVID hit. And she was a dog that was in a very difficult situation here in Santa Fe, at northern New Mexico. There was a woman who was hoarding, which means she was taking in. She had about 100 dogs, but she wasn't taking care of them. And they were in a very, very bad situation. And Grace came from there. And she is exemplary in that she proves to me how when you give a dog who is so fearful and has almost forgotten how to be a dog, it, it shows me that when you love them and give them security and love and comfort and food and all that they need, that they can come back and be better than ever. And so she is my dog, Grace. And how did you find her? Did you did you go to this place and they gave uh -huh, they gave you? Well, no, the woman was put in jail, and so a lot of different rescue organizations went there and took the dogs to put into different foster situations or you know the shelters to take care of the dogs. And but they were very, very fearful. They didn't want to come up to anyone. And Grace was the only dog that literally came up to me, touched the back of her hand with my nose, and then ran away. And I thought, okay, that's the dog for me. She chose me. She chose you. I'm sure she loves you. I think she does. We love each other very much. Uh -huh. You know, uh, Caroline, I have a Persian cat named Attila. But, <laughs> yeah, Attila the king. You describe yourself as an animal human health expert. Mm -hmm. What does that mean exactly? Right. Well, what happened was during my, I've had three careers and my second career was as I, I got a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine so I had a business where I was an acupuncturist and focused on nutrition. And while I was there, 
I started to notice that a lot of my patients who were coming in and complaining of whatever illness they had, and it went from colds to cancer, anything, as soon as I would sit and talk with them, and if they loved animals, I started to notice how much they smiled and how much, or sometimes they cried, but whenever they spoke about their animals, I saw this incredible change in them. And as an acupuncturist and somebody who's all studied science, I started to think of all the beneficial things that were happening in that person's body when they were just talking about their animal, much less being with them. So that's when I got the idea of writing a book called Dog as My Doctor, Cat as My Nurse, because I started to see all the benefits of having animal companions to our health and our well-being. So that became the focus of that book and also what I would, I've been speaking about for the last five years at the TEDx or to groups of people. But a lot of people just think their animals are pets, but there's so much more than that. And that's what I talk about as an animal human health expert. Yeah, they are a great company. They, they are true friends. Yes, I agree. And that is why I'm very proud here in Santa Fe to belong to an organization called Animal Protection New Mexico, because they are focused on changing the laws around having animals and treating animals, because those are the things that I think fundamentally need to change. Otherwise, people, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are cruel and don't treat animals well. And if we had stricter laws, I believe that that could at least be curbed. Now your new career is being a writer. So how did you get into writing? Well, as I said, with the patients that I sat with, I started to notice that they were talking about all these amazing stories. I mean, from, and if I also did a TEDx talk where I, I had interviewed a woman whose dog discovered that she had cancer, whereas she had been to the vet, to the doctor and the doctor said, no, you're fine. And this dog saved her life. And I started to see such a gamut from just, you know, companionship and how that helped heal people's hearts or help them with depression or anxiety. And I, that's why I put it into that book, dog is my doctor, cat is my nurse. And the book, did well and it became a you know Amazon bestseller and it won a lot of awards and I really had always wanted to be a writer my whole life and I saw this as my opportunity to continue on that path and I'm glad I did this is my I've just finished my fourth book and it's out just came out and it's doing well as well and I um you know it's one of those things just like animals that I've loved ever since I was a kid I wanted to write and that's how it came about. And But there were a lot of things that were keeping me back, mostly fear, like, oh, I can't do that. Or that's just for people who are, I don't know, better than me. And one day I literally woke up and said, you know what, if I don't write a book, I'm never going to write a book and I'm always going to regret it. So I had to get past my fear and just do it. I'm glad that you started writing i love the title of your book this book dog as a doctor or a doctor no, dog. dog as as my doctor yes beautiful and Thank also you. yes and carly your latest book is called junkyard girl 
A Memoir of Ancestry, Family Secrets, and Second Chances. Can you quickly tell what the book is about? Sure. It's a memoir of how just three and a half years ago, I took a DNA test for fun, just to see, just to see. And what I saw was that I was adopted. And not only that, but that my entire family, including my 63 first cousins, all seemed to know that I was adopted, but I never knew. And the book is about me going on a journey for the following year, just trying to unravel why this was kept as a secret and finding out even more secrets and uh, just coming to terms with trying to put my identity back together again. Wow, what a life-changing experience. Yes, it was. It pretty much blew my world apart in, when I heard those words, Carlene, you are adopted. I can imagine. And how did you feel finding out? Like, were you in shock? Yes, yes. And part of why I know I was in shock because was because my first reaction was physical. My sister, who I'd grown up with, found out that I was very close to finding out about this adoption. So she flew out to tell me from California to New Mexico. And I didn't know why she had come, but she decided she then started reading it, reading what she had written because she said she couldn't tell me because she just started crying. And so the when I heard those words, Carlene, you are adopted, it's as if there was cotton in my ears. I actually could not hear her. I could see her lips moving and I was really straining to hear. So I think that's a physical reaction that I had. And then once that cleared away, the emotional reaction was something I've never experienced before. I mean, I've been through loss, but I've never obviously lost myself, which is what happened. And I felt every possible emotion all at the same time from shock and grief and loss and anger and, you know, gratitude. There were so many things and it was just sort of a cyclone all, you know, for some time. And I was crying all the time because, and I couldn't figure out why, because I don't cry very much, but I was crying, you know, sitting there eating my breakfast, I was crying or washing the dishes, I was crying. So there was a physical and an emotional reaction to discovering this initially. Oh, I can imagine it. And it looks like your parents didn't want to feel different in any way from the rest of the family. Did you talk to them immediately about it? My parents had died already. They had passed. Well, what happened was that I was on uh, Facebook when, or I was actually at my computer one day, and then one of those Facebook notifications came across your screen. And it, it was from some man who was on Facebook and he said, you look like my wife. And I was like, gosh, what a flirt. And I just ignored him. And But he kept persisting. And then he finally sent me a picture of his wife. And he said, don't you think you look like her? And I, I looked at her and I said, you know, I think we shop for glasses at the same store. But other than that, I don't think so. <laughs> and then he said, well, Ancestry DNA says different. And it ended up being that his wife was on the results of that test, but I really hadn't paid attention. And it said, this woman is a potential sibling. And so that's how it started. Then when my sister, my, my sister that I grew up with found all that out, she came to Santa Fe and she wanted to tell me first. 
And what she told me was that my uh, 50, 57 years before, so when I was born, my adoptive mother had gone to see a friend, and this was in Southern California. And as she was knocking on the door, she could hear a lady crying in the backyard. And when her friend came to the door, she said, hey, who is that? And she said, that's my cousin. She's here from Chicago. She's not married. She has two children. She has another one on the way. And she wants me to help her get an abortion, but I won't help her. And back in the 60s, abortion was illegal everywhere. And my mother went home. She spoke with my father, came back and said to this complete stranger, we'll adopt your child, and then took the family to live with them for six months until I was born. And then gave my parents gave my birth mother money to go back to Chicago. So and then she took my siblings who became my siblings who, who were older. She took them around the crib and said, this is your new sister. She's adopted and you're never to tell her she's adopted because people will try to hurt her because during the 60s, there was a stigma around children out of wedlock and they came from Mexico where the stigma was even worse. So they wanted to protect me from being hurt. And that's why that's how the secret started. It's unbelievable that someone saw your picture on Facebook contacted <laughs> you. I also would think he was flirting with me. Yes, absolutely. But I want to say too, like now that I see it, he, I had not seen that woman's name on the page and he was trying to reach out because he kept saying, I would love it if my wife had family. She doesn't have family and maybe you're related somehow. So there was more, but that initial thing was kind of like, gosh, who are you? <laughs> but is she your sister? My half-sister, yes. And does she look like you? I I didn't think so. And I don't think so. I don't, I mean, I see similarities, but I I don't, though she does. She says she does. So And have you met her in person? Yes, I have. It, it was a crazy time because I explained to you how I was in shock and I was crying and I was trying to deal with this and then about because she had sent me a very nice letter saying gosh you know maybe you'll know somebody i'm related to i don't really have family she believed at the time that her mother and she were estranged who was my birth mother as well and she believed her to be dead which it it happened so that she was not dead but we found that out later and she uh so i spoke with her on the phone about a week later and filled her in on what I had discovered. And then about two weeks later, we discover that my birth mother is alive and she's in a state hospital in Chicago on hospice. So three days later, we I hop on a plane to Chicago to meet them all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What was it like 
meeting your birth mother, although she was in the hospice. How did you feel? I wish in some ways this process had been a little bit longer, like I had more time to process each step of the way, but I didn't. So it feels, all of it feels kind of like this dream that I was having from one instant to the next. So when they pushed my birth mother out in a wheelchair, I was still sort of in a state of denial, even though every time I'd say, no, this can't be true, then I'd see all the evidence in front of me, including a DNA test. And when they pushed her out, I just looked at this woman because I had grown up thinking that a whole other person was my mother. And I could never think of anyone else being my mother except this woman who raised me. And this was not her. And I would I looked at her and I thought, God, I don't look anything like her. She looks like a little elf. You know, I thought to myself, I and I felt no connection to her whatsoever. She also had severe dementia. And she had bipolar illness most of her life. So it wasn't like I could connect with her in any rational way. It was a very strange thing to, and I, it's funny because I reached out to touch her just gently because she didn't want anybody to touch her. She kept pushing everybody away. And I thought, if I touch her, if I just touch her, maybe I'll feel this connection. And no, that didn't happen. I didn't feel anything. And then she kind of flicked me away anyway. So it, it was an odd thing, but, you know, it also made me realize how close I had come to not living the life I had lived. And I'm very grateful for the life I've had. You know, I've had my ups and downs, but boy, I, when I see how my sister was raised and what she had to go through, it, have you ever heard that expression there, but for the grace of God, go I, meaning, gosh, I almost, that's how I felt. She saw you, but she didn't think that you were. No, and she was mumbling some interesting things and she wasn't coherent. Yet I was listening to what she was saying, thinking, gosh, on some level, might she know? Because some of the gibberish was actually making some sense to me. So I don't know. I don't know. And uh, Carly, I feel that you came out of this a bit stronger in the end. And in my opinion, I don't know, but I think processing this information is different when you were 50 than when you were a child. What do you, what do you think? I think that it's very important for every child to know the truth. I mean, absolutely. And now things are being done differently. I do know that the adoption process, they very highly stress that that parents should tell their children early that they are adopted and they're also stressing open adoption. So it's different. So I think I read a statistic, uh, I think it was like 95% of people tell their children now, which I think is important. Um, so, and I just am somebody who wants to know the truth, even if it's not good. I want to know the truth. And I also felt that I deserve the right to know. I mean, especially too, because our medicals, you know, I, I need to know about my medical health. But I also live with the paradox of it, you know, which means that I also see where my parents were coming from. I also see how their wanting to protect me turned into fear that I would somehow leave or reject them. And I understand that. And um, so I so I live with these two things of believing that I should have known, 
but also believing that maybe I learned it at the exact right time. Yeah, I, I understand. We never know what could happen. No, we don't. We don't. But that that's one of the big lessons that this whole situation has taught me. It's about living with two sides of one reality. Like sometimes when I was growing up, it, the world was more black and white to me. And now it's very gray. And for example, I feel that I was never angry at my adoptive parents for not telling me because I understood who they were. They were immigrants from Mexico. They had a very different cultural feeling about things. And I I am extremely grateful they did what they did. So I understood them. I was a bit disappointed with my siblings who I felt should have told me uh, because I feel like I would have told them if, if it was reversed. But I also love them deeply and truly. And I don't want to ever hang on to, I don't believe that anger serves me. I mean, I get it that we need to feel angry sometimes about things, but I never want to hold on to that. I want to let it go as soon as possible. And sometimes it, you have to repeatedly let it go. And so I, I feel that this situation has taught me to just live with a lot of different sides to one story and a lot of different pieces that make up the whole and to flow with it and move through it. And I feel one way today and tomorrow I'll feel like this and that's okay and not judge it. And about your siblings, I think they just want to protect you. They did. Yeah. They did. And they have, they love me tremendously. I know this and I love them tremendously. And the whole family wanted to protect me. If you think about it, 63 first cousins. That's <laughs> they, amazing how nobody <laughs> told you. I know. And I just was on a call with them, a Zoom call. So there was a lot of people on it. And somebody just said, well, you, you know, my parents, in fact, it's a joke in my book. This is very true. One of them had said to me, I was joking at this point because every one of them knew. And so I started joking with them saying, you know what? Uh, you didn't tell me the next time I see you, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> I would say this as a joke. And one of my cousins said to me, you know what? I would rather you kick my ass than my aunt kick my ass because, you know, that's who my parents were. They demand, they commanded a lot of respect from the family. They were the matriarch and patriarch of a very, very, very large family. And nobody would cross that line. Mm, I understand them completely. <laughs> <laughs> the title of your book is interesting. What is the significance behind junkyard girl yes well my parents who i grew up with my adoptive parents they actually were hoarders so we we lived on half of an acre that was completely filled on the outside with old cars that didn't work and tires and gosh i don't know old furniture i mean all sorts of things everywhere and as a kid I thought that was really fun because you could make all sorts of cool things, swords and shields. And, you know, I had a big imagination and I would go and create things. But over time, that shifted, especially since I grew up in Carpinteria, California, 
which now, which kind of butts up against Montecito, which is like a very, very exclusive enclave. And a lot of my friends came from that area. And so suddenly when I started getting older, I started seeing the differences. And I thought, oh, and I, I was very, very ashamed then of my my um, surroundings at that point. So basically, when I went through this whole discovering of my adoption, I also had to go and look at my entire life with a magnifying glass and to see what was true and what wasn't, or what was different that I didn't understand before. And so therefore, I had to go through all those junkyard girl years. And now you, you believe that you know yourself better after this? Absolutely. For me, I, I just feel, I really believe in that saying, the truth will set you free. For example, this whole story I explained to you about being a junkyard girl, in a million years, I was keeping that quiet from everybody I knew. I never shared that with anybody. I was too ashamed. And I didn't want people to really know. I wanted just people to know who I was now. But writing that book and putting down everything I have, I was pretty much saying, hey, this is who I am. And this is who I've discovered that I am. And this is the whole me. And the fear that I always had when I was growing up was that people would reject me or they'd make fun of me or they'd say, you're not good enough. And the opposite has happened. If anything, it's the absolute opposite. People are reaching out to me and saying, oh my God, I understand this. Or And, and they haven't even grown up any which way that I did. They're growing up in other countries and other states. And they're saying, I get this. Oh my gosh, your book made me cry or it made me laugh. And I'm seeing this amazing opportunity to connect with other people that in a million years I never would have dreamed would have happened. So what's next for you? Are you currently working on anything new you would like to share with us? Well, uh, for the last eight months, I've been very focused on getting this book launch ready. And I am really tired. <laughs> so I decided to take two weeks off to just do nothing. And part of doing nothing was just to read. And I felt like, okay, for maybe the whole month of December, I will just read and read because there are about 20 stories that I are already that I'm already writing. Which one is going to speak to me the loudest? And so I'm letting that percolate for the month of December. But I am sort of leaning in the direction. Well, I definitely want to write a book of fiction. I definitely want it set in Santa Fe. And I believe it's, I don't know exactly, but I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a love story about second chances. And do you have any idea when you are going to publish <laughs> this book? Well, I am determined that I'm going to publish a book every year. You know, I'm determined that that's my schedule. So I am going to do that. And then I'm also going to do audio books of both Junkyard Girl and Dog as My Doctor, Cat as My Nurse. Wonderful. People love all your books. <laughs> Thank yes. you so much, Lucia. Yes, congratulations for all what you are doing, sharing your story with the world. And I would like you could share your contacts with our listeners. I would love that. Everybody can reach me at animalhumanhealth.com, animalhumanhealth.com. 
www.jennifercoach.com. That's my website and all of my social medias on there. I love social media. So if anybody wants to reach out on Instagram or Facebook, I would love to connect. Also, my newsletter is there for anyone who loves animals and wants to celebrate the animal human bond with me. That is the newsletter I put out once a month. And it's it for free. We can. Yes, yes, yes. Please, yes, for free to to, uh, anybody who loves their animals and knows uh, that there's more to having a dog or a cat in their home than them being pets. You know, I really try to explore that. And I believe that a lot of people find it very inspiring. Mm -hmm. And is your book books, audio books on Amazon? They are on Amazon. You can also order them from any bookstore. And if again, if you want to read a little bit more about them, you can always come to animalhumanhealth.com. But yes, they're available on Amazon in different countries as well. If I could, I would stay here with you for hours. Your love for the animals is just um, so inspiring. I was preparing your questions and I said, I love her already. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Um, obrigado, obrigado. De nada. <laughs> so, Carleen, I wish you all the best that you keep writing and please come back. Oh, thank you so much, Lucia. I would love that. Yes, I'll be waiting to give you oh. a ride. I'll be super happy to go back to Santa Fe and give oh. you a ride. Excellent. I would appreciate that. And thank you for not driving fast. Actually, next time, please bring Grace. Oh, I will. Thank you so much. She would love it. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.